This is episode 123 of the ATTH podcast. I am your host, Rich Bryant. Good evening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of our podcast. And here uh, I'm a little refreshed. I took a week off because I was out traveling. I was out in the mountains of Utah, um, getting a new perspective, uh, going to visit uh, a new place, getting uh, just getting away a little bit. But I'm back. I'm here to kind of talk to you about something that uh, recently came up that I saw uh, as uh, a statement from some student-led initiative in Prague, Czech Republic. And this comes from the European Theater Convention. It says, a new student-led initiative in Prague, Czech Republic has spoken up about discriminatory behavior at the Academy of Performing Arts Theater faculty, also known as DAMU, and beyond. In April 2021, a group of students under the name of You Don't Have to Endure It used an anonymous survey to ask theater students of DAMU and the Janáček Academy of Music and Performing Arts, also known as YAMU, about their experiences. The ensuing testimonies bear witness to and form a picture of a problematic inner world of prestigious theater schools. Collected statements were publicly read out in front of the Damu entrance in Karlova Street alongside a live stream performance giving voice to impacted students and the necessity to create a new normal which prioritizes gender equality. They have received support from the drama department of the National Theater alongside numerous currently enrolled students, graduates, and theater professionals. Here is their official statement from the You Don't Have to Endure It. We believe that the behavior normalized on our campuses and considered acceptable is in fact unacceptable. We often witness discrimination against students based on their gender, an abuse of power by those in teaching positions, and an overstepping of boundaries which leads to subsequent psychological harm. Students sometimes discuss these issues amongst themselves, yet they are often not voiced out loud and in public. And when they are, they are often trivial, trivialized. Coincidentally, in recent weeks, issues around similar behavior in arts colleges have begun to resonate across the general public and in the media. Given this shift, we feel now is the time to make our voices heard, share these testimonies, and contribute to a public discussion. Now, you can actually watch a live performance of this uh, event. It is posted on YouTube, and I will put it in the notes. Um, the language is in Czech, so um, hopefully it's there's a way to subtitle it, or you can actually just enjoy it and 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 watch it uh, for for what it is and see it as a piece of performance art. Also, uh, there is a full article that goes along with this, which again I will also include. Um, this again came from the European Theater Convention and has been shared across many of the uh, the social platforms uh, as uh, as something for discussion, which is what's kind of gotten me me thinking. Um, one of the uh, things that I appreciate about this initiative is that it's student led. One of the challenges that we have, I, I guess, I, I guess maybe I shouldn't say we, one of the challenges that I believe I see is students leading and students being outreached to. Um, one of the things about challenging about being a student is sometimes it's scary to take that next step to put yourself out there because you're not necessarily sure of the consequences. Yet there are some students who don't uh, don't worry about the consequences and really step out there and really challenge themselves. 
a friend of mine told me that there are many paths to the the peak of Mount Fuji, and that as long as you stay on your path and follow it to wherever it goes, eventually all roads lead to the top of the hill. Now, I'm not saying one is better than the other, of course not. But what I'm like about this initiative that these students have taken is that they have decided to speak for them for themselves. They've decided to be advocates for themselves, which I think not enough students in, across universities, across colleges really do. One of the challenges of being someone who is now would probably be considered on the other side of the of that uh, of that line because I haven't been a, a student in this type of way in many many years. Sure, I'm in graduate school again, but I don't. I'm I'm much older than someone who's at 20 years old and learning about themselves and learning about their world. So reaching out to those, to those those students and understanding the place of the students is a bit of a challenge for me. So this is why I'm putting my thoughts out here and giving these students who are standing up against this discriminatory behavior a lot of praise. And I hope that in some way, the people who listen to this, who are possibly working for their schools, have students who could use somebody to reach out to them and make this bridge and have this conversation. Because there's a, there's a problem that happens that we don't necessarily listen to the group. We tend to listen to individuals. And you're like, well, wait a minute, I'm listening to you, you're an individual, sure. But I don't speak, as far as I know, for others. These are my thoughts. This is my look at the world. This is my interpretation and understanding of the situation. So some of you uh, out there may be familiar with a, a, a phrase that says the voice of the voiceless. We've seen um, where someone who, who stands up and says, I speak for these people or I speak for this cause. Um, if you've watched any kind of sort of afternoon television, late night television, you'll see, for example, the ASPCA who runs commercials, who want to speak for the, uh, for animals who cannot speak for themselves because obviously they don't have the means to communicate in a way that you or I understand. Uh, there are, uh, people who, uh, relish in that role as being able to speak for for others who become the the focal point the the face of a of a cause um some of you who are music fans uh may know of the rage against the machine song from the battle of los angeles album called the voice of the voiceless uh zach de la roca who wrote these lyrics wrote you see the powerful get nervous because he refused to be their servant because he spit truth and burned like black churches, prose and verses, a million poor and hearses. Watch the decision of Dred Scott as it reserves so long as the rope is tight around Mumia's neck. Let there be no rich white life we bound to respect, cause and effect. Can't you smell the smoke in the breeze? My panther, my brother, we are at war until you're free. You'll never silence the voice of the voiceless. And the song continues to go on. Now, this song is referring to uh, a, a gentleman named Mumia Abu Jamal, who um, 
I think you should look up, check out his story. Um, he uh, wrote a book called From Death Row. And it's it's worth looking at his perspective of talking about what now this is before the uh the 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 black lives matter movement it's before the 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 what what's been currently happening this was someone who is being spoken about and for and was trying to get their story out uh about the injustice of the of the uh the incarceration uh of his incarceration uh in jail um there's also if you're a wrestling fan uh you've heard of the voice of the voiceless speech or the pipe bomb as it was called by cm punk um now in storyline he was he used that phrase giving voice to the voiceless or exclaiming he was the voice of the voiceless and trying to point out what was wrong with talent being held down or talent being unrealized, things like that. So there are a couple of examples of, of that being of someone standing up for someone else. Uh, so to talk about that in sort of a positive way, there are uh, uh, lots, of, lots of things, not necessarily in music or in the, the scripted world of wrestling and entertainment, but there, is, there are people who speak for causes, speak for, uh, again, things that cannot uh, speak for themselves, um, whether you're talking about climate change, whether you're talking about uh, the environment, whether you're, whether you're talking about uh, uh, animal rights. Um, you know, it's there's someone to speak for someone else. So let's circle back before I get too off, the, off my, my point here. The point is, is that it's it's an interesting thing that happens when a group of people start to speak as one as opposed to the singular speaking for a group um i think it's really great that people stand up and express their opinions and express their beliefs there has to be room for conversation now there are times where conversation turns into confrontation and confrontation sometimes is the two plate tectonic plates pushing against each other, creating little earthquakes in which the earth shifts and things get shaken up and things like that. But with that kind of confrontation, come, sometimes comes uh, destruction, sometimes comes damage that is unrepairable. Um, and that's, a, that's something that people who are advocates or who are standing up to speak uh, sometimes have to face, which is a scary thing. For these students uh, in, the, uh, in, in Prague, they've taken that idea and turned it into a performance piece. Now, does that lessen the message? I don't know. That's something for the audience to, to discover. Because one of the things that's come along over time is that the great thing about theater is that it has a way of moving a conversation forward without the necessi necessity of confrontation um in the sense of well i'm going to you know come downstairs come down there off the stage and fight you or we're going to do this in the public square and we're going to beat you up with our words and shout at you and scream at you we've seen that 
and what generally happens from that there's a flash point of of something happening but it's not necessarily the spark that necessarily leads to bigger change um if you look at something uh for example, you know when we when we create a show on stage, there is a, a separation, a, a a barrier, per se. The audience feels safe uh, in their seats, and they don't have to worry necessarily about people coming off the stage and and necessarily attacking them personally. Um, now, that's not to say that that hasn't happened, because theater history is full of these examples. Brecht, of course was clearly someone who was an agitator and, and really went after uh, things, breaking down these these barriers. Um, and it continues to happen today. Sometimes we call it performance art. Sometimes there is no classification for uh, a, a piece that challenges the audience in some way or its viewer in some ways. Sometimes those pieces actually bring the 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 unsuspecting audience into its into its circle and makes them part of the show the 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 pen and teller used to say that magic shouldn't create a sense of of uh, danger or it, there's there, it's okay to have a sense of danger but you don't make it so that the audience feels as though they're it's a criminal that like there's some sort of criminal danger to it that there that there's a moral that they're breaking the moral rules of of, of good society yeah uh, in that we know that someone isn't going to get hurt we know that everything's going to be fine in the end you know that it's okay to take the 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 audience on a journey but in the end they have to know that they're going to be okay that uh everything kind of turns out in the end so with theater is theater have that same sort of moral responsibility um because theater is performance clearly but is it to inform is it to shock is it to is it to you know make people feel uneasy that's up to you as the audience to decide you know do you want to go and participate in shows that do that are or here's here's the real the real rub is if you are an unwilling participant so you want to go see a new show and sure they may have you know it may be the the theater a has uh, a show and you've never heard of the writer but you're like okay i'll go see it and on the show they have someone doing um something uh something that you know like um i don't know what, what would the best thing be all of a sudden there's live nudity on stage and there's you know a, a, a simulated uh sex act on stage you know as a as an audience member that's a that may be offensive to your sensibility you didn't go to the theater to to get that you didn't know the writer you you thought that the company that was making the show was providing something you're like oh this could be entertainment yeah i know that they try and do things challenging but this is over the line of of what what is acceptable you know, is that is that theater's responsibility to really challenge the audience because European audiences or Asian audiences or uh, audiences in the United States, maybe even audiences in the in the Americas have very different sensibilities and no one sensibility is necessarily better than the other. It's just you as an audience member, what is it that you want to consume? 
when these students say you don't have to endure it, you don't have to endure uh, this type of treatment, um, whether gender discrimination, race discrimination, abuse of power, uh, things that may lead to some form of psychological harm, we're starting to see that people are willing to stand up more and more and that these individuals are becoming a greater and greater collective of voices, which I think is really important. You know, what will, how will that change our expression of our ideas? How will that exchange our, our, our movement from confrontational to hopefully more conversational? Um, this goes also to the recent uh, challenges with uh, the, the professors who have been denied tenure or have been leaving schools because of their beliefs or because they are standing up for what they believe is a, a greater ideal. Um, there are lots of stories uh, for that. Um, uh, in North Carolina at Harvard, um, go check it out. I highly, highly recommend doing your own looking and, and seeing what's what's out there. I think it's I think it's great that there is a big shift to a greater, well, what will maybe or may lead to some form of greater understanding. But being the voice of the voiceless um, is is wrought with 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 challenges. And I bring this up because, like all things, you know, you have to look at the other side of this 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 challenge. Uh, I found this article. This is from March 8th, 2017, and it is by uh, a person named Judith Registre, R-E-G-I-S-T-R-E. -E. Um, I will, uh, again, include this in my, in my notes. It says, why we should avoid becoming the voice of the voiceless. And it opens with, in this world full of resources, if you find poverty upsetting, inequality appalling, and rampant in, uh, injustice unacceptable, you might be moved to take action. You may identify one of the root causes of these ills as people's own lack of personal advocacy, and so you may decide to become that advocate. You might decide that the solution is to be their voice, speak up, and speak for those who are not speaking for themselves. You may declare yourself the voice of the voiceless. Such a calling is commendable, even noble. Working on behalf of society's most marginalized is a commendable act, worthy of recognition. But is declaring yourself the voice of the voiceless the right solution? I don't think so. In fact, it may only serve to propagate the problem. We have accepted this constructed class of people called the voiceless without challenging its origin or relevance for our mission. The voiceless is a socially construction class, and we can affirm it every time we claim to be a voice for the voiceless. We cannot continue to do this. We must challenge the assumption upon which this idea is based to move from limited symbolic gestures to some systematic changes. We must challenge the assumption upon which this idea is based to move from limited symbolic gestures to systematic changes. Moving from symbols to something where real substantive change happens. I don't know what issue is important to you, but I know that there are times where you are in a, in a place where you have to choose either or it seems like you have to choose either you're for it or against it. 
you're either for the the uh the for the animals or against uh the the against animals i don't know i'm pulling something out of my hat here um oh here let's just say it. say you're for uh uh electric cars and some people are not for electric cars i'm for electric cars because they're better for the environment they save they save uh carbon emissions they um they can have uh they use less resources they're just better to drive and then you have folks who are against electric cars well i don't like them because they cost so much more to produce we already have an infrastructure for uh gasoline automobiles they're you can't modify them. You can't work on them. They're too complicated. I want a car that I can modify in my own. Um, I've already owned uh, a, a gas car, and I, I'm not ready to switch to, to an electric car. There's always some other side to an issue. It's very hard to have no opinion, per se. But there's room to have no opinion. So someone says, well, I hear that 70% of electric cars all have uh, a, a zero to 60 in uh, 10 seconds. What's your opinion on that? I said, well, I don't really have an opinion because I've never driven or I haven't driven all the electric cars out there. So my opinion is I don't have an opinion. Um, now, some people may take well some people clearly will take that to another issue because a lot of the times as we've watched the news we've watched these talking head shows someone's sticking a voice in there and they say do you have a take i have a take what's your opinion i my opinion is more important than your opinion and thus confrontation and not conversation is there a way to cross that barrier i don't know do i think that there is danger in be declaring oneself as the voice of the voiceless i can see where that goes awry very quickly and i can also see that um sometimes that's how movements get started you know dr seuss wrote about the lorax and and the lorax job was to speak for the trees because they could not speak for themselves now the Lorax was about deforestation and about the destruction of resources and the, the, the taking away of homes for the animals. Um, it, yes, it's a good story, but you start to look deeper into the, the, the text of it and you go, oh, wow, there's really more to this story than what, uh, what, I, what I thought as, as, as a little child. Now, as an adult, I see it through this lens. And maybe that's that's our growing up, you know, from student, we see the life through an immediacy. We see it through this lens. We want to speak up for it now. We want to challenge it now. We want to go after it now. And when we think like that and we act like that, we sometimes don't necessarily get the results that we want. There isn't an immediacy. It's very hard for for people to, to wait. Um, satisfy me now. Listen to me now. I want change now. Um, change does not come quickly. And this is something that maybe as an adult, some adults begin to, to, to look at as the end game of this, that what we set in motion 10 years ago, it takes 20 years for it to be realized. I think that 
these students who are standing up against the treatment that they've seen at their school and other students have seen at their school is consistent with what we've seen over the years, whether it be uh, protesting against war, protesting against uh, the treatment of women, the treatment of minorities, um, the integration of schools. There's always some group that is taking up a cause that hopefully over time yields some form of a result. I'm not saying that these, these students are not going to see a result because they've already gotten a result. They've gotten us talking about it. They've gotten us uh, sharing this information now pretty quickly due to the, the mediums of, of social interaction that we have now. But will it lead to real substantive change? Will the voice of the voiceless be heard or will the collective make headway into the future so that more folks can, uh, uh, can take away the, 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 the gains that, that can be made, even though it takes 10, 20, however many years to get there. I think you should be able to hopefully chew on this for yourself. What issue is, is in your forefront of your mind? What is currently happening around you that you think is something that you want to speak about, whether you're writing a blog post, a Facebook post, a tweet, things like that. You know, what is that thing that makes you want to, 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 to do something that requires change? You know, I hope that if you're a student listening to this, that you take some, take something from this and say, you know what, here's someone who is encouraging us to, to continue to go out there and do it. Be careful when you go out there. Again, if balance that confrontation versus conversation, you know, there's room for both. And the results are, are clearly going to go in different ways. Remember, there's more than one route to the top of, of Mount Fuji. They both eventually get you there if you're willing to continue to follow those paths and see them to their end. To the teachers who are listening out there, your, our goal has been at times to be guides. We point the way. Um, sometimes it's not always to a student's benefit because maybe they don't quite understand what we're saying, or sometimes we just give crummy advice. So take what you're saying as very valuable and important and be careful with the way that you say it and the way that you give it because you know you, you are affecting someone's life in a very small way from time to time, whether they realize it or not, what you say in the hallway, what you say in a conversation, what you write down in a tweet, what you say in a podcast or an interview, what you say does affect others, whether you realize it or not, you put it out in the universe. So I, uh, I hope you, uh, I hope you enjoyed listening to my little thoughts today. Again, um, the, both these, uh, articles, and the video will be put into the, the notes for today's episode. Um, if you have a question, comment, uh, want to tell me that I'm doing a great job, tell me I'm doing a bad job, uh, or just have some comment at all, please feel free to email me. My email is archivett24 at yahoo.com. That's archivett24 at yahoo.com. 
www.thinkingdeeply.com. Um, thank you again for, for listening. This has been episode 123 of the ATTH podcast. Have a good evening and take care.